Hey there, thank you so much for listening today to our Big Time Talker podcast. We are uh, broadcast everywhere. iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, the Blog Talk Radio Network. Burke Allen here live at our studios in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a platform speaker or a meeting planner, get together and find one another at SpeakerMatch.com. Speaker Match, proud sponsor of the Big Time Talker Podcast. It's going to be a fun conversation today. We're going to talk to a lady who does a whole bunch of stuff. It makes me tired just reading about all her activities. She's a best-selling author. She's a Hollywood actress, co-founder of a multi-million dollar consumer product business, and even has a psychology degree, which hopefully she will not whip out on me today because that could go sideways in a hurry. Joni Marks is here. The new book is In Spite Of... Hello, Joni Marks. Well, hello. I am so happy and privileged to be here with you and your listeners today. Well, we uh, we got a lot of ground to cover because you got a lot happening in your world. I want to spend some time talking about the book, but before we get to that, tell me about Joni Marks and how you got into the motion picture business. Well, okay, this will be this is a good segue to part of the book too because of. Uh, I always wanted to be an actress. And recently, I reconnected with a my kindergarten friend, Linda. Linda was my very first friend, and she had straight hair that was in a Dutch cut, you know, a Dutch boy cut. Yep. And every day, she would have this big bowl on the side of her head, and every day it was a different color. So I was just mesmerized by Linda. But she told me, that when I was five years old, I told her that I was going to be an actress. Really? Yes. And so I think that goes back to some things we will we will get into about the book, which is that you know what you want to be very early as a child. And uh, you uh, you have on there a great um, Albert Einstein quote. And I have one which goes that Albert Einstein said, imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions. Love it. it. Yes. So the reason I did not become an actress right out of school was I wanted to have money. (laughs) You wanted to eat. Eating is important to Joni Marks. Yes. Yes. And I did not want to live in my car. And so... Um, one of the other, (laughs) one of the other things I always wanted to be, or that I knew I would be, would be a business owner. Cause I, I started lots of little businesses as, as I was growing up. So I would say now that I would call myself an entrepreneurial trailblazer because the reason I'm saying that is this was back in the seventies and I told my mother that I was an entrepreneur. And she said to me, hmm, well, how do you spell it? <laughs> and, and so I spelled it correctly. So she said, well, I guess if you could spell it, you can be it. So that's how, and because truly nobody used that word entrepreneur in the early, in the early seventies. So I started out and I created a, uh, a business. And I say that it started with $20 and a ball of string. 
it was the beginning of the macrame era when right. people did tie dye, you know, and plant hangers, you know. Um, and that is similar to now. That came out of desperation because at that time my husband had a PhD insight in um, astronomy, and I was a new graduate. And that's when there was this huge economic downturn and we had no job, no job whatsoever. So we went to, so I, I really got tired of just, we were living on social security and not social security, but you know, on, on unemployment because right. we're both unemployed. Right. So I, I made some little ceramic beads and I, this girlfriend showed me how to make a macrame hanker. And we went down to the beach and I found some, you know, peat on driftwood that looked pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started that as the top of my macrame hanger. So having, you know, sold things as a kid. So I ran to our local yarn and fad store and I had this little box of these of these ceramic beads. And I said, I, I want to sell you these beads and see, this is the hanger that I made. And you see how nice the beads look in it. So he bought my tray for $20. This is, you know, like in 1971. So $20 was a, a fair amount of money then. Sure. And then he said to me, uh, do you have a kit for your hanger? I'll buy it. I said, Oh, okay. I said, how many will you buy? And he said, I'll buy a dozen. I said, fine, we'll be back, I'll be back next yes. week. The answer is yes. Yes, I do. And I'll be right back. Yeah. Yes. So we went to the grocery store and we stole these. Uh, at that time in the produce department, the bags were not printed on. So we, had, so we had these plain bags and we wrote up directions. And that's how I started. And that is the beginning of the business empire. And and you went on to, to be as sort of a serial entrepreneur. I wonder if the fact that you then had some, some things happening on your own in the business world helped you in your acting world in that you weren't going in sort of desperate and hand to mouth. You know, you could do it as you wanted to do it more on your own terms. Did did that help at all? At least I mentally? think it did. Yes, it did. And it also gave me the money to finance an uh, education because in order to be an actor it isn't just enough that you want to be you have to understand technique and you have to be um, taught so I had the money to do that and I fortunately found one I fell into this the best acting coach ever uh, at that time Larry Moss very famous and uh, so I learned how to be an actor. So basically, and this holds true, uh, because in my two books, I have a number of acting exercises that people use to learn about themselves. Because truthfully, what you learn as an actor is how to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So acting isn't acting, you know, a la Groucho Marx. <laughs> Marx, <laughs> it's about living truthfully under the circumstances that the writer, the playwright, have given you. And so I incorporate those in my in my two books to help people get a better feel for themselves 
Because what you think you would do in a situation is really quite at variance from what you actually do if you go through an experience. You say, oh, that's what I would do. I didn't think I'd do that, but that's what I would do. So th- we're, we're kind of digressing a little bit, but that is how... of how my life really gone in a, a quite linear fashion, uh, even though I didn't exactly plan it out because life is spontaneous and, and you have to go with what your wants are and what's ahead of you and, and, and um, how you want to take the next step or, or what you see that step would be and try it out. Joni Marks, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. She's a character actor. You've seen her face millions of times. She's been doing it for uh, for the better part of three decades, including in one of my favorite funny movies of all time, Funny People with Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen. And she also has a brand new book out called In Spite Of. It's her second book. And, uh, you know, Joni, your first book I thought was really interesting. It was uh, Facelifts, Money, and Prince Charming. Break baby boomer myths and live your best life. And and I wonder if, if, you know, Hollywood, it's all about the youth culture. If you've run into any ageism working in Hollywood or in business, is, is that a real thing that you have to deal with in Los Angeles? Absolutely. Now, I... <laughs> I have, I have fortunately or unfortunately dealt with it at both ends because when I was very young and I had this, uh, it turned into an import-export craft business, you know, from my Pedon Driftwood mountain wall hanging. Yes. But, you know, it progressed. And I sold to chains and I sold to big distributors and, and I did importing. But at that time, I basically... Every time I went in to make a sales call, I had to take my wedding ring and put it on my right finger because I was a young woman. And in those days, if they thought I was married, they wouldn't take me seriously that I was really needing to do this or that I was committed to this business. Wow. Wow. That's a really wow. And every time I went overseas to Hong Kong, and Taiwan, because there wasn't China then. This is, you know, where you did, or in Thailand. Every time I went through customs over over in those countries, they would virtually take everything out of my suitcase because I, to them, was an anomaly. What was this young woman alone saying she was just coming from a business trip? Right, right. So that's that. Now, on the other side, um, what I'm finding now is that the image of who an older woman is, is absolutely at variance to, to who we are. And I keep being asked, can I be more feeble when I go into auditions? Is that right? They want you to be yeah. sort of this doddering old woman? Yes. Okay, I will give you one good example. I was just at an audition. It was for a telecommunication company where I am driving my 15-year-old grandson to the store, and we're going to get a family plan, and we're all going to get new phones. (laughs) Okay, for a commercial. Got it. All right. Yes. 
And when I did it with the 15-year-old grandson, they said to me, can't, well, can't you just kind of be a lot more feeble? Why would a grandmother who's driving her grandson, what does being feeble have to do with anything? It doesn't. And so every time you get through these commercial auditions, you go outside, you yank off these god awful little ridiculous white wigs that all of us have. You know, it, you know, you see the same cadre of actresses, you know. And so we're all going, why? Why do we have to have a fake white wig and why do we have to be feeble? So I am mm, fighting that fight. Not alone, but I certainly am fighting that fight. And what I say in my book about age is that, Burke, you and I are younger today than in any of our days to follow. So we're young. Here, and here. Tomorrow, <laughs> right. And tomorrow we're we're going to be younger than we're going to be in the following days. So the joy of being alive, the joy of having goals, the, the joy of interacting with other people and having a purpose, those are ageless. And so we Hollywood needs to um, get in step with what, reality is and what women in their 60s to their 85s think of themselves and none of us think of ourselves these people little old ladies Joni Marks is our guest today she is definitely not a feeble little old lady she's a best-selling author Hollywood actress entrepreneur business owner and the new book is called in spite of how to refocus and renew your life in spite of the obstacles on the path to love and happiness. Now, as someone who's based in Los Angeles, as a, a character actress, that's a tough gig. You know, by any stretch of the imagination, you have to deal with rejection all the time. And, and many times, as you just mentioned, it's rejection because of the way you look. In your case, you're you're a little too perky. You're, you got a little bit too much energy of all things. You know, you yes. could be too fat. You could be too skinny. You could be... Uh, too hairy, you can be too bold, you can be too anything that, that has nothing really to do with you. And outside Hollywood, we all have to deal with that sort of thing. But but I would think you have to do it uh, on a bigger scale. So I'm wondering if you have any tips on, on sort of how to tamp down your own inner critic when you look in the mirror and you go, man, during COVID, I've just put on uh, this COVID poundage. I look, I look rough. Or a man, you know, look at those circles under my eyes. How do you quiet the, those inner voices to to help you, you know, get past all that? Because you've had oh. to do it clearly a lot. Oh, that is, you're asking me the $64,000 question, which yes, I actually have the answer to. I'm ready because to cash I, that check then. Let's yeah, go. good. Because that's the purpose of these two books in the sense of trying to present a better way of seeing yourself. So one of the things I, this book is about is how you differentiate between your inner critic, which is the person who looks in the mirror and says, who is that? Right. And, and, and who your authentic self is. And one of the things I did in this book, which is called In Spite Of, and I had a, a lot of uh, 
pushback on that title. And I did this before the pandemic, but for a long time, the book was entitled How to Refocus and Renew Your Life, which is a really quite pleasant title, sure. except except that in what was happening in my own personal life, I was going through a tremendous amount of consternation. And I said to myself, Joan, if you were walking through a bookstore and you were looking for some self-help, would you pick up a book that says how to refocus and renew your life? And I said, are you kidding me? I have to do this in spite of everything that is happening to me. So that's how the title of the book became In Spite Of, which now is absolutely a perfect title for the times that we are in. So if we want to answer that question, how do we become our best friend instead of our worst critic? We have to start with, which is what I dedicate In Spite Of to, the book is dedicated to change, which is the immutable law of nature. So what we are finding now is that everyone in the world has their life been abruptly, destructively, unpreparedly altered because of the pandemic. Everybody on the planet, top to bottom, everyone. everyone. Yeah. Right. So this as far as the people that are pretty much alive now, this is the most unifying experience that any of us have lived through. Correct. You know, whereas my parents lived through the Depression and the war and World War Two. And so that put everyone on. They were in the same mindset. So what I wanted to talk about was the the positive upside to the pandemic in that it has given every one of us pause because our everyday life does not exist the way it did a year ago. That's correct. So what we what I'm suggesting is that this is absolutely a wonderful opportunity because all of the ancillary things that we did, all of the noise of our daily life and our going to movies and our going to dinner, all of those have pretty much been quieted. So I have one other quote that fits perfectly into what we're talking about. This is from J.R. Tolkien, who who wrote The Lord of the Rings. Yep, the Hobbit guy. So he, yep. ah. So this this is one this is the point of what I'm saying to you. His line is who are you alone yourself and nameless? Who are you? And what people are finding in their homes is exactly that. They are alone with themselves in a in an unnormal circumstance. They're not at work. They're having to do things at home. They're, everyone is there and they're going, now what? What? Who am I and what am I and how am I going to get through this? So I'm suggesting that this is the best time to, uh, to sit down and accept that changes happen. And what I talk about in my books is how 
to refocus and renew your life. And I have the six steps in there about how to, to do that. And to start with, you can't change anything you don't see. So you have to accept that changes happen and you have to see how, how does that affect you. So that you have to take them a time to identify with what your beliefs are, which were how you've lived your life up to now, what your thoughts are, what your behavior is. And so that you can see what is stopping you from clearing that path that's in front of you so that you can live your best life. Joni Marks is our guest. The book is called In Spite Of, and the subtitle, How to Refocus and Renew Your Life in Spite of the Obstacles on the Path to Love and Happiness. You can visit her at JoniMarks.com. Marks with an X, spelled like uh, Groucho Marx or the singer Richard Marx. Um, there's a, a great picture on the cover of your book of a young lady, and she's holding a suitcase, an old-style uh, suitcase. And it made me think about how, you know, we've all got stuff we got to deal with and we got to unpack that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I see that suitcase and I, and I wonder w- when it comes to unpacking all that stuff that you have, whether it's, it's self-doubt or whether, you know, there are people who are legitimately uh, afraid and scared mm-hmm. or sad during COVID because they've lost so many people around them. What's the first thing you tell people about uh, unpacking all that stuff, all that baggage? Well, the first thing you have to realize is that a lot of that stuff in that suitcase isn't yours. They're ideas, they're the myths that came from your grandparents, your parents, about how you were taught to live, about how you've been shamed and blamed for things that they thought were inappropriate that you did. So you have to say to yourself, I am going to open this suitcase and I am going to acknowledge that a lot of this stuff really isn't my fault or really isn't mine, but I've been lugging it around. And so I'm going to take this time to go through and go through what my limiting beliefs are. Limiting beliefs are the things that you feel about yourself that are at the bottom level that are kind of like the underbelly of your soul that gets with darts and arrows of people said things to you that were mean, said things that were untrue to you. So instead of dealing with them, you just throw all that stuff in the suitcase. So we have to open the suitcase and say, these are limiting beliefs that I no longer need to carry with me. And one of the ways you do that is you you need to be in tune with what is your authentic voice, which is separate from your inner critic. Your inner critic is the one who sits on your shoulder and is probably meaner to you than anyone in the world ever is and tells you, well, Joan, I don't know that you're doing this interview so good. Somebody else could do this interview better than you. I mean, that's an example of what an inner critic is. So the way you 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 come to unite 
with your true self is that when you are doing very automatic things like driving with a car or brushing your teeth, you know, or combing your hair, you'll, you'll start to hear the inner dialogue that you're saying to yourself. And what we need to do then is interrupt that and say, that's not true. That was something that my mother said to me, but it's really not true. And I can see that, which is not true, is sitting in that opened emotional baggage. And my true authentic self would say, it wasn't true then, Joan, and it's not true now. So you can throw it away. I think that's that's huge, and it's great advice. And it's it's interesting coming from you because you are – uh, someone who's who's reinvented yourself several times, and you you know live right there in the heart of people being able to reinvent themselves and 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 to tamp that stuff down. You know they move from other places and strike out to to get into the entertainment business, for example, or or the music business, and you be somebody else completely once you you come out and do that. But you got to put that stuff away uh, and and, uh, keep it under a lid. Hey, I want to ask you about one other thing that I think that is really cool that you do, Joni. And, and that is you're a really big advocate, uh, for older folks, for baby boomers. And, and you really stand up for people of a certain age. And I wonder in terms of, of that, uh, you know, what you've learned in that journey of, of looking out for folks that, that, uh, you know, are of a, uh, a, a certain vintage, if you will. I think it's not to have any unnecessary myths about aging or about physical beauty. You know, oh, that goes with it, too. You know, I don't look like I did. Well, yeah, but you're a better version of yourself. It's the appreciation, which is what I'm saying about this authentic voice, that you need to cultivate that will help you. You have things within you that you haven't accomplished yet and things that you want to do. So how do you get in touch with those? How do you get in touch with where as a baby boomer you still want to go, the challenges you still want to engage in? I would say you go back and you you go back to when you were a child. Because, Burke, when you were a child and somebody said to you, when you were five, they said, what do you want to be? You obviously immediately had an answer to that question. Sure. And it might have been fanciful or it might be kind of the arc of your life, but you definitely had an answer to that question. So one of the, do we have a moment to do a simple exercise that will get people in touch with who they were as a child and what they wanted. Let's try it. I'm all in. Okay. Okay. So this is an exercise from an, you know, I talked about acting class where these class, these lessons are how to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go back to our childhood bedroom and we're going to sit on the bed and we're going to look around our room because 
all of these things in our room, the toys, the books, the clothes, the things on the floor, all of these things have something to tell us. So we're going to put our hands together, not firm, leave a little space. And when you do this for a time, something from your childhood room will come into your hand and will tell you something very important about yourself, which then will help you in your journey, whether you're a baby boomer or you're a millennial or you're a generation X. And it will be an amazing experience. Now, when we did this in acting class, I would say that half the class were laughing and the other half of the class were sobbing, depending on what that object said to them. You know, as I think about that, I think about really bad shag carpeting and ugly wood paneling in my childhood bedroom. So I may not be the best example for you here. <laughs> but did you have a toy that you liked that, that made you feel good about yourself? You know what I had on my desk, Joni? I had uh, in my little town in Appalachia, I grew up in southern West Virginia in the coal fields, deep back in the mountains. I had a globe on my desk that, that my father had gotten me. And that globe, uh, I could spin and I could see there was a great big world outside those Appalachian Mountains. And that inspired me to uh, to get out there and see it. And I think I'm a wanderer still today because of that globe that was on my desk. Well, there's your answer. So how's that, that for a, you? That is a fabulous answer because that has propelled you through the journey of your life and has provided the uh, impetus and the motivation to continue to do what it is you want. So to, to baby boomers, you need to, that's what this, this exercise is going back to saying, what motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? What gets you excited about your life? And then go out and, and do it. Well, you you know, we may not be on airplanes for a little bit more, but there's but the joy of walking down the street, you know, and the neighbor has a brand new dog and you get to talk to the new dog. That's an adventure. If you look at it properly, a little road trip will never hurt you. You know, I did a, uh, a thing back in December. I have a son who's 16 years old and we hopped in the car and and went to visit, uh, you know, some some national parks where you can be socially distanced. And and the two of us took our laptop so I could work and he could do school. And we stayed in cabins in Tennessee and North Carolina. There's always a way to get out there. And uh, and I love that you're doing it. And uh, and I have to ask you, you know, you do spell your last name M A R X. Are you more a Groucho, a Harpo, or a Zeppo? Which are you? I think I'm more in. I think I'm a little more realistic and a little more um, hopeful, probably a little more rational. But but as I said, I probably am a bit of an overactor if I've given half a chance. <laughs> 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 I like to be big. What can I tell you? So I suppose that comes from them, comes from those those genes, you know, those people. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have laptops. They left Russia. They come to America. Wow. 
You're a pretty wow yes. lady yourself, Joni. I have to tell you, I uh, I love your energy. I love your outlook, and and I think our listeners will love the books. The first one is her memoir, Facelifts, Money, and Prince Charming. Uh, and it's all about breaking baby boomer myths, and she certainly does that. The new book is In Spite Of, and it's all about how to refocus and renew your life. And you can visit Joni at her website, Joni Marks, M-A-R-X, JoniMarks.com, and look for on the silver screen, too. You are a bundle of energy and a joy to have on the program. Thank you for being here. You are a wonderful host. You are the best ever. Oh, anybody gets to be on your show is so privileged. And I I consider myself to be greatly privileged to have had this time to spend with you and your listeners. If you keep that up, my head will not be able to get me through the doorway. I might have to turn sideways and sneak in. Joni, thank you for being here and best of luck with the book. Thank you very, very much. Visit Joni online, JoniMarks.com. There's also a great audio book available. It is an international bestseller uh, in five categories in five countries, JoniMarks.com. I'm Burke Allen in Washington, D.C. This is the Big Time Talker podcast, courtesy of SpeakerMatch.com. Now go out there and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.